With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On this week's Spoko Radio, we preview the 2019 Iowa season with some completely made-up over-unders. From the total number of Iowa wins to the average punting yardage this year, we cover every angle on the Hawkeyes to get you ready for week one. Sit back, relax, and get ready for the boom. unbeaten no more piling on now is Iowa as they crack the 50 mark against the mighty Buckeyes but when his number was called seven got six Welcome to Spoko Radio, presented by Blackheart Gold Pants, Espionations Community for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm your host, DC. With me, as always, it's Jerry Sherwin. Jerry, what's going on? After a couple days at the beach, I am finally fully ready for Iowa Hawkeye football. A little, a little R&R before the season kicks in with us also. It's the people's champ. David Johnson, champ, how you doing? I'm doing great. Ready for some uh, Hawkeye over-unders tonight, boys. Champ, spill the beans. We are going through previewing the Iowa season specifically with some over-unders that we'll get to in a little bit. But remember, please, guys, subscribe to the Blackheart Gold Pants podcast feed wherever you guys get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, at ShyPeoplesChamp, at Jerry Sherwin, at Dave Cray, and at BHGP. Uh, leave us a voicemail, 224-661-0909. We want to hear from you guys. Drop a voicemail with either live reactions to games this season, predictions before the next game, hypothetical questions for us for the outside zone to kick our show off each week. The best voicemails will make the show each week. Again, the number is 224-661-0909. Put that in your phones right now. We didn't get any t- any tweets, co- calls, comments, anything this week to, think, to kick things off. So we made up our own question. But to get right into it, since we're doing over-unders, we're in the gambling mind frame. State of Iowa just legalized gambling. Everything's going to be about gambling this week in this show. But the question to kick things off, guys, is how many games will Iowa be favored in this year? Jerry, we'll start with you. So this was my question, and I thought about this a lot today as I was sitting on the beach having a couple beers, reminiscing about Champ's Vegas trip. So if you would like to follow him on Instagram, you should do that as well. But I think Iowa is going to be favored in eight of their games. Uh, Are there any surprises that you think people wouldn't anticipate them being favored in? Well, I think I mean right off the top, I think I think Iowa fans are going to assume that Iowa is going to be favored against Iowa State, but I just don't think that's going to happen going to Iowa State. It seems like the Cyclones are going to have a ton of street cred going early into the season until Iowa inevitably blows them out. But um, I have them favored in the Penn State game actually, and Purdue, and I think a lot of people might not have that. Um, but also going to Northwestern and going to Wisconsin, I don't have them favored in those games right now. And I know that's a little weird and I, from what I've kind of talked about, but I'm trying to think like Vegas would, and I just don't see Iowa favored in those games going away. Interesting. Champ, before I get it to you, so ESPN's Football Power Index has a projected result for each game, which for the sake of this argument is what I'm going to use to determine if Iowa would be favored or not. They have eight games also, like Jared that Jared does. But they also the four games that they have Iowa as underdogs are Iowa State, as Jared mentioned, Michigan, Penn State, and then at Nebraska to close the year. I don't get it. 
I think that one that one's the closest to 50-50 out of all of these games. So I truly think that's more of a, a home field advantage swing there. But Champ, what do you think uh, that Iowa will be favored in this year? Uh, I had nine games myself. I also agreed with Jer. I thought they would be favored against Penn State at home. I think they will be favored at Northwestern. You guys know my thoughts about Northwestern. I think that that's going to be like a, a two and six, maybe three and five Northwestern team that I was playing. Uh, so, yeah, the only three games I had them not favored in was I agreed with Iowa State. I don't think they're going to be favored in that game. Michigan and at Wisconsin. Those are my three that I think they will be underdogs in. The other nine I think they're going to be favored in. So we'll see. I'm with you, Champ. I'm with you on that one a lot. Back to your Northwestern point, because the AP poll preseason poll was released this week. We're recording the day it was dropped on Monday. Northwestern not ranked in their preseason poll. The defending Big Ten West division champions not ranked, but the four and eight last year Nebraska Cornhuskers are ranked to start the season. Do you think that? Do you think Northwestern deserves to be preseason ranked, even though you think they're going to be garbage? No, I don't. I I don't <laughs> agree that North Nebraska should be ranked, but I'm fine with Northwestern not being ranked. I think. The hype train on Northwestern is a little high right now. I don't think they're going to be very good. I think, like I said last week, Patty Fitz is getting a little ahead of himself. I didn't agree with Nebraska being ranked coming off a 4-8 and eight season, but I don't think there's any issue with uh, Northwestern not being in the top 25. Jer, any thoughts on the AP preseason top 25? I have two thoughts. The first being, yes, I, I, am, I do think Northwestern deserves to be in this top 25. This is a preseason poll. So everything that these guys are voting off of is coming from last year. Northwestern finished strong last year. They did everything they could to get to the Big Ten Championship, and then they smoked the bowl game. So I do think Northwestern should be there. I agree with you, Champ, that I don't think it's going to be a great season for the Wildcats. But looking into the season, I don't understand why Nebraska is getting all this cred and these guys are just sitting there. Same thing with Michigan State, honestly. At 18 for Michigan State, I've told you guys from the very beginning, I don't believe in Michigan State this season either. So for both those teams to be where they're at, I don't get it. The last thing I want to bring up is, Champ, did you recognize that there is one missing Pac-12 team from the top 25? I did see that Stanford just made the list, but USC did not. So maybe USC isn't very strong, and maybe, uh, like you predicted last week, Mr. Brom going to USC. Maybe he's not going to want to go to USC because they're not even ranked in the top 25. Jer, any other following thoughts on USC not being there? Uh, yeah, it's exactly what I thought. Nobody cares about the Pac-12. The only team that anybody's going to care about for the rest of the season is Oregon, and the rest of the Pac-12 is just going to completely fall off. So enjoy the Pac-12 after dark, folks, because if the only reason you're going to be watching it is because you gambled on it. I don't. I don't know. I. I don't think Stanford's just going to fall off. And Washington. State what do you mean? They're twenty-five. Washington State also in the top twenty-five. Their offense is electric with Mike Leach. Let's not forget about that. Yeah, but their defense isn't. And we're really going to pretend that Stanford's anything more than what we, everybody thinks Iowa is. Like, oh, we're just going to run three times, then we're going to punt, hope our defense keeps it together. Let's, I mean, let's not give Stanford all this credit all of a sudden. When's the last David, time they made a playoff? David Shaw's a solid, solid coach. He's a so solid Lovey Smith uh, replica. That's what he is. Okay, simmer down. That That's a little rude. <laughs> yeah. He's having more success in college than Lovey Smith is. Yeah. Let me He's see him join the games. NFL, baby. That's where he it counts. He probably won more games in the last two years than Lovey will win in his entire Illinois career as head coach. Lovey went to a Super Bowl, though. Has Shaw been to the college play, uh, football playoff? No. No, he hasn't. Has he won a Pac-12 yet? I don't even think he's done that. Yes, he has. They beat Iowa's ass in the Rose Bowl. <laughs> oh, yeah. I try to block that out from my memory. Christian <laughs> yeah. McCaffrey, it'll never leave my memory. Yeah, those bad. On times. that note, let's get into let's get into our Iowa preview, and hopefully we don't face another a game that Jerry has to block out of his memory. Again, guys, drop us a voicemail two two four six six one zero nine zero nine, or tweet at us questions for our outside zone segment to kick the show off each week. But we are so close to football. We want to break down, make some predictions for this season, this twenty nineteen season for Iowa. And to let you guys in a little bit of the way we do things, we are very close friends outside the show. We talk all different types of sports. And w- one thing we are. <laughs> and one, one thing we like to do is we like to make up fake over and unders. Before season start, whether it's baseball, football, 
basketball, whatever. We make up fake over-unders and kind of go back and forth to kind of get a feeling how how we think our team seasons are going to go. So we decided, you know what? That's a pretty great idea to do for a podcast for a full show. So what we did was we made up completely 12 different props with over-under lines. And we're going to go down through these. These are the ways that we thought could best preview the Iowa season and get us on the record with some predictions. So we have everything from offense, defense, special teams, to even wins into even the NFL draft in 2020. We got everything covered here in these next 12 props, and hopefully you guys have a good idea of what we think the Iowa football season is going to be like uh, this year. So let's kick things off, guys. Champ, we'll start with you. The very first one, it's Jerry's boy, Nate Stanley, his completion percentage this year. The over-under is 61.5% for his completion percentage for the year. What do you got? I'm actually going to take the under, but Ugh. the re- the reason I'm going to take the under is I think they're going to be pushing the ball down the field more this year. So by that account, I think they're going to take a lot more chances than they have the last couple years. I don't think they're going to be a dink and dunk, you know, three, four-yard passes like they have a lot the past few years. I think he's going to actually throw for more yardage than he has the last two years and probably have more touchdowns. But because they're going to go downfield more with these receivers that they have this year, I think his completion percentage is just going to be below 61.5. It's going to be right around 60, I think. So, Champ, what if I told you in the previous two years, Nate Stanley has thrown for more attempts and increased his yards per attempt in the exact same way his completion percentage has also increased year over year? Hmm, that's, I mean, that's an interesting point. So, I, eh, I'm going to still go with my gut, and I'm going to say just under 61.5%. But that's good to know. That's good that he's improving both of those things. Jerry, we know he's your boy. We know you probably have the over, but would you care to explain why? DC, I'm going to go walk right back down to the beach where I just came off of. Get in a boat because you're the wind I need for my sail. Because everything you just said is exactly why Nate Stanley is going to go above and beyond 61.5 for his completion percentage this year. The guy almost was 5% better on more attempts last season. And the most important thing that they've talked about this entire season is Nate Stanley's footwork and creating touch on those deep passes. So, Champ, if they're going to be pushing the ball down the field, that was Nate Stanley's one biggest bugaboo. He wasn't able to consistently complete those passes. Now you're going to tell me that he's going to start completing those more? Even better. I think 62% is exactly where he wants to be, and that's going to push him up into that NFL draft question that we're going to get to later. I didn't say that he is going to complete more of those passes. I just said they're going to take more chances, which if they do take more chances, then yes, probably he does complete more, but I still think the percentage is going to be a little lower passing-wise, so that's why I said the under. The other thing to build, I have the over as well, and the reason I do is because I also feel like from reading Media Day and trying to go behind the quotes, it feels like they're they're done forcing it to one single person. Yes. So I feel like spreading it out, finding the open guy, it's going to help. And I think they keep the things they keep saying about Nate is he's not he's not going to have to try to do too much. He just has to react to what he's seen. His his third year as a start as a full time starter. It's going to come easier to it's he's going to recognize a lot of things that he should as a senior. And I think because of that, and if they spread the ball out, go down the field more, it's going to naturally have a higher you'll naturally have a higher completion percentage. I think this is a big time experience thing, too. And like, I don't think we shouldn't undersell the fact that he's learning from Eli and Peyton Manning in the offseason and that Ken O'Keefe has been harping this in his year the whole entire you know the, the time that they've been putting in the work. He has to have a higher completion percentage for Iowa to be successful, and I think that he has the talent to be able to do so. And let's see, like you've seen what Daniel Jones can do for the Giants just with working with Eli in training camp. I'm sold. All right, let's see it. As Champ always <laughs> says, let's see it. All right, number two, Jerry, we will start with you. AJ Epinesa combined solo tackles and sacks. We set the line for a very specific reason. I'll let you explain, Jer, at 49 and a half. So we're doing a lot of research before this show, and we kind of realized that 
having the number at 49 and a half allows us to do a little bit of an ongoing tally for the rest of the season, which we are going to conveniently discuss and call it the Maui 5-0, the Hawaii 5-0 DC hit me with the song. The Hawaii 5-0, if that doesn't get you jacked up, if that song didn't just make you believe in AJ Epinesa getting to that number for the season and wreaking havoc all over the schedule, I don't know what will. This number is an easy over. Maui's going to go out there and torch this season before he finally gets drafted as a top three overall pick in the NFL draft. Top three overall pick. We'll get back to that later, but Champ, what are your thoughts on this over-under? I love the over here. I think uh, he's going to have a huge year uh, in the high teens and sacks. I think he's going to have plenty of tackles for loss, plenty of regular tackles as well. So I will hammer the over of 49.5. I think it's going to be closer to 60, 65, maybe even higher than that. Those are such high, insane numbers. I have the under, and the only, only, only reason I have the under, it's the solo tackle aspect of it. That's where he has to make up the difference, and as a defensive end, not edge outside linebacker rusher, he has less opportunities for these solo tackles. I went back and I looked at the previous sack leaders in all of college football. Harold Landry and Carl Nassib were two linemen who led the nation in sacks. They didn't even get to 50 total in this number combined with 50, even though they both had over 15 and a half sacks themselves. So if AJ Epinesa is going to do this, he has to either he has to break the NCAA record in sacks, in my opinion, to make to make this even achievable. So how much how much under are you going? Like if I were to say that it's Total tackles, sacks, and forced fumbles, DC, at 49.5. Would you take that? Yes, I would take that. So it's close. It, it's it's very close. But it's just the, the solo tackle number isn't there for a guy who's lining up on the defensive end as opposed to the outside linebacker. Okay. He's, he's not. There's, he just asked to do a lot less I, in terms of like uh, making tackles in space. I think that's fair for like third down passing uh, type scenarios, but I feel like on first and second down, where he's going to get a majority of those 200 snaps that he missed out on last year, they're going to be doing a lot of stunts, maybe moving him inside, moving a guy like Chauncey Golson outside, kind of creating a two way play with. I don't know, maybe even just like Amari. Like, those guys are going to be going back and forth. I think you're going to see him inside a lot more to be able to just create mismatches on centers, and that's where he's going to scoop up a lot of those tackles. I totally agree. I think they're going to move Maui a lot. I think he can play inside on first and second down a lot and then move to the outside on passing downs on third down. So, yeah, that's I agree. I think he's going to get a lot of tackles, you know, stopping running backs behind the line of scrimmage or even at the line, you know, stuffing plays. He's just going to wreak havoc. So that's why I took the over. So, Champ, you mentioned it's in the 60s, though. So does that make you agree with me that he's going to be a top three NFL pick? Because that's a lot. I mean, if he if he gets like let's put a number of like twenty sacks, you know, ten tackles for loss, and then like twenty nine or thirty tackles in the regular tackles, yeah, he could be a top three pick. I can see that. I mean, we we know rush ends in the NFL typically go pretty high if they're absolutely dominant in college. You know, if they're a physical force, which Maui is, I can see him going top three. I mean, I think even if he has an it's slightly above average year. He's going top 10. So if he has the year we think he can have, I can see him going in the top three. The last, the last thing on this, and the reason I have it under is I just don't know if the sack total is going to be there because he, there's a target on his back in terms of double teams and being chipped and doing all that stuff. And it rolls right into where I think his sack numbers might be down. It rolls into our next over under that I think is going to hit the over. It's the total interceptions from the defensive backs. And the over-under we set for there is 17.5. I have that as the over because I think the defensive line is going to get enough pressure that just doesn't quite seal the deal on a sack, forcing a quick throw, forcing a hurry, that forces a bad pass, and this is going to be a ball-hawking secondary that's just going to clean up with interceptions this year. So I have the over 17.5. Jared, what do you say? You just said it perfectly, the ball-hawking defensive backs of Iowa. I think these guys need a name even more so than the, the Hawaii 5-0 that we were just talking about. So again, I've been at the shore. I've been watching some things. I've been reading a little bit of the Ocean City News, and they've recently sent out 
birds of prey to deal with their seagull problem. And I think that's the perfect way to describe what these defensive backs are going to do for Iowa this year. They are birds of prey. Any sort of ball that's going to get thrown their direction, not only are they going to knock it down, but they're probably going to pick it. I think last year the number was exactly at 17 or 18 for the defensive backs for Iowa. We were the number one team as far as interceptions for the entire entirety of college football. So give me the over. I think this team and Phil Parker's genius gets these guys into the 20s for interceptions this year. Totally agree. Champ, what do you say? I say I take the over too. I mean, I love these corners. Hankins, Ojemudier, and I like Brents a lot too. I think he's going to get some playing time. And I think they're going to make some plays. And then we know the safeties are going to be good. Geno Stone's probably your second best defender on your defense behind Maui. And everybody's just loving Merriweather right now. Everything we've read, the the reports out of, uh, of practice, he's been awesome. So I expect him to get a few picks. So, yeah, I mean, say your corners get you between 10 and 12 interceptions between the two of them. All that leaves for your safeties is, you know, three, four each, and boom, you're over that number. That's not even including – that's not even including backup players that they're going to be blowing teams out, these backup guys who got a lot of playing time last year. Mm -hmm. Brents and Riley Moss both played a lot because of injury last year, so they're going to be placed into games where hopefully I was blowing teams out. And then they make some uh, couple interceptions themselves and yeah I, lo- I love the over here as well the one player no one has mentioned is dj johnson the nickel bash back the nickel back iowa playing more nickel i think also opens up more possibilities for guys who have natural ball skills to be on the field that results in interceptions 100% DC nailed it on the head like that is a big key to this defense now the more athletes that are out there the better and the other part of that too is the fact that like guys like Matt Hankins and Ojemudier are moving around that they know both corner spots but they're also learning the safety and cash spots in this offseason so if Phil Parker thinks that there's a better way to kind of shade a def- his defense towards a certain player like when we go up against Minnesota he's going to be able to do that easily where he could put Matt Hankins in that cash spot completely annihilate an entire side and have Geno Stone playing center field like there's just a lot of things that Phil Parker is going to be able to do with this secondary what when have you guys ever remembered Iowa being legit five deep at corner like I've never seen that in my entirety of watching Iowa football you guys mentioned DJ Johnson you know as the nickelback and then we have Brents and we have uh what's his name uh Riley Moss how could I forget his wonderful name (laughs) I mean he played a lot last year he's your fifth corner probably right now so yeah, you're you're pretty deep there at the corner position. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and also just they the Hawkeye football account, they did the the camp video the DBs and I think these are just guys who they I think they feed off each other so when one guy gets a pick, the next guy's going to want to make a play. Like these guys just seem to get along. I think it's a it's a common theme we see with the entire team is that these guys really love each other and want to be around each other and that type of stuff it just fuels comp like friendly competition among yourself to, to one up the next guy, or the guy who just got an interception. So I think they're just going to come in bunches for the secondary this year. Totally. Now, if I were to ask you guys to rank your uh, top three in as far as depth goes between the Iowa offensive line, defensive line, the secondary, how would you rank them? Champ, you go ahead. Uh, I would put the D line one, the secondary two, and the O line three. I have the secondary one, O line two, and defensive line third. The fact that the probably o- has the most talent. Defensive line has the most talent, but I, I think the depth, the deepest position group is the defensive backs. And that is completely against what normal people think Iowa does. Normal people would just assume that Iowa's number one depth chart is going to be that offensive line, and that's not the case right now. Iowa's deep at so many different places, quarterback being one of them. The offensive line, because we have two tackles that are probably going to be top two uh, top two round NFL picks. The secondary is loaded, as we already mentioned, and the defensive line is probably going to end up being one of the best defensive lines in the country, too. And the receivers. I mean, the receivers and the running backs. I mean, you got a lot of skill positions that we're very deep at. You like the receivers now. I do like the receivers, especially if our boy gets reinstated. I like him even more. We'll we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's move to a position group that's not so deep. It has a lot of question marks through this year. The tight end group. And the over-under that we're going to talk about with tight ends are the total tight end touchdown catches. We have it set at eight and a half. Champ, 
why don't you kick things off this round? Uh, I unfor Not unfortunately, but I think it's going to be under. I don't think the tight ends are going to be as big a factor for Iowa's offense this year as they've been in years past. Obviously, they won't be as big a factor this year as they were last year, considering we had two first-round tight ends taken. But I think it's going to be around six or seven. Uh, eight and a half is a little high for me, so I will take the under on that. Jerry, what do you think? I'm absolutely pounding the over. At the heart of this, it's still Iowa, and the offensive coordinator is still Brian Ferentz. And I still think no matter what, like without Noah Fant, without TJ Hawkinson, I think Drew Cook, Nate Weeding, and Sean Byer are going to be able to at least get to nine, ten touchdowns. Because when let's face it, when Iowa gets into the, the red zone, they're looking for those guys because they're mismatch problems. And I think Iowa's still going to take advantage of the fact that those guys are – good enough to have good hands make blocks and squeak out when nate stanley needs somebody to check down to they should be looking at your boy brandon smith because he's got the biggest hands on earth he's got all this height maybe he should become more of a red zone uh reliable target in the red zone that would be nice if they score nine touchdowns it doesn't mean brandon smith's not also going to have four five six touchdowns I mean, if he only has four touchdowns, that would be a pretty big letdown for me. I mean, Nick easily only had five last year. Yeah, he was like a 5'10 slot receiver. He's not exactly like a red zone <laughs> He was third in touchdowns. receptions. Well, I'm, I, I'm expecting more out of Brandon Smith than four touchdowns. So I'm with Jer. I'm taking the over. but the re- And it's to his point, right? They don't have to be big players in terms of yardage and receptions. Mm-hmm. When they're in the red zone, Iowa's going to get big. They're going to take a jumbo set. So it might not even be because Brandon Smith's not – he might not even be on the field because they're playing a jumbo set, and that's what Iowa does. But, like, think of Noah Fant in 2017. He had 11 touchdowns, and, like – and that was, like, almost half – just under half his catches. And so Iowa just – when they're in the red zone, they look at their tight ends, and there's enough still talent there, as Jerry was saying, that – Eight and a half should be pretty easy. I mean, they had a they had fourteen between Fant and TJ Hawkinson in twenty seventeen, and they had uh, five in twenty sixteen between the two between um, those guys. Also, I mean, like Iowa just finds tight ends, yep. and if they're throwing the ball more, they're gonna in their especially in the red zone, tight ends are gonna be wide open there. Champ, you're not allowed to call Iowa tight end you the rest of the time if you don't think they're going to find nine touchdowns between that unit. I mean, they they are tight end you, but these guys, I mean, they got to prove it to me. They're all very unproven <laughs> guys. I mean, I I understand that this is what Iowa does is produce tight I would say they've players. proven this over and over and I mean, over again. Weeding is a senior, so he's been on this team for a while. Like, he was it, behind two first-round NFL draft picks. I understand that. That's a fine point. But I, I, you know, I'm not going to just drink the Kool-Aid on every single position on Iowa. I'm going to try to be a little more realistic than Mr. Jerry, who's going to pound me over on literally everything we asked tonight. So we'll see. I mean, Brandon Myers somehow found nine touchdowns in his career. You don't think that Iowa what can do it with three other of these guys that they have now brandon meyer was a solid tight end <laughs> I don't disrespect brandon meyer but that's okay, my okay, point but that's what iowa does iowa produces solid tight ends yeah but they have two seniors and a junior that are the tight end group this year so i mean if they i don't but, know but, they so, haven't shown but, me much Champ, of their here's, career, where, here's so. where i'll challenge you because you you just said when we were talking about the, the deep position groups that you like the wide receiver group what is the wide receiver group showing you where you are more optimistic that they're just going to replace all gotcha. the production that TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant had last year and the new tight ends can't do anything? I mean, I'm not saying they're not going to do anything. I think seven <laughs> or eight touchdowns is still a solid year. I mean, they're still going to contribute, but I just think 10 touchdowns is a lot to ask. But, I mean, I hope they have fucking 15. I don't care. I mean, <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> saying i think 10 is a lot to ask for That's guys fair. that have you know how many touchdowns that the three of them have combined one Pro- probably something yeah i think it's true high, but again they one. were like they wasn't because they were like they were failing when they were on the field they just weren't getting on the field because there was uber talented guys ahead of them yeah i know i understand that but i mean i still I, just give me eight i'd be happy if they had eight touchdowns between the two or three of them that's still a solid year okay okay Let's uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll get right back into our Iowa over unders to predict the 2019 season. We'll be right back. We are back. We are doing Iowa over unders, self made over unders to predict and preview the 2019 Iowa football season. We 
are now we just talked about tight end touchdowns a position group that has a lot of question marks champs not much of a believer jer and i do believe in tight end group because that's what iowa does next up are total sacks what champ thinks is the deepest position group total sacks we set the line at 29 and a half because as everybody knows 30 is the magic number for kirk ferentz teams when they get to 30 sacks it is a good football season. So 29.5 is the over-under this year. Jer, start things off. They're smashing this number. It's just it's the same as the interceptions. I don't even want to talk about it because it's, it's just that simple. Iowa's going to smash. I think I, the real number should be 39.5. Then I would have to think about it. 39.5. I mean, really make me think about these. I'm pounding the over on all of it. It's like I wish I could parlay all these because I'd write them all out and I'd make probably like $3 million. Where are they getting 39 and a half? All right. Well, I, I meant over on the 29 and a half. I don't know. I said I'd think about the 39 and a half. You're a crazy person. Champ, what do you think? I I love the over two. Fuck it. Make it 44 and a yeah. half if we want to get a real number. I love this the unit this year, the D-line. This is total sex by the whole team, right? Not just the D-line? Correct. Total yeah. sex. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be some linebacker sex in there. Monty we Jones. We know they're going to bring some linebacker pressure. I mean, we know. Uh, nickel, Chris, nickel blitzes. Nickel blitzes. Welch can get to the quarterback. I mean, there's guys that in the, just in that linebacker group alone. But I think I, Maui's going to have 20 himself. So you can't give me nine and a half from the rest of your unit. I'd pound the over on this. 29 and a half. Easy, easy over. So I we kind of talked about this with when we were talking about Maui specifically, but I have the under on the total number. Again, it's mostly because I think the it's the secondary that's going to stand out this year. I still think you're going to have a lot of quarterback hurries. You're going to have a lot of pressure. But I think those are not going to turn into sacks. You're going to turn into interceptions and incomplete passes and batted down passes versus actual sacks. I think... I think with the nickel, the other pack, the other thing we kind of alluded to, nickel blitzes, things like that, this will Cash be the blitz. most exotic that we see the Iowa defense since in, in that any of us can remember. I think Phil Parker is going to show so many different looks that we are not used to seeing as Iowa fans that it's going to confuse people who are n- norm- normally know what to expect when they play an Iowa defense. And I think it won't turn into sacks, but it will still be a tremendous defensive season. Here's the deal, though, on that, though, D.C. At Kids Day, Maui had four sacks by himself against two tackles that we all, I think, agree are going to be extremely good talents in college football. So if he's doing that against our guys already, I mean, how are these other tackles going to fare against him? It's going to be quick reads chipping chipping him I mean they have to replace 14 and a half sacks last year just to get to 35 right yeah it's it's okay they can double Maui all they want that leaves Golson by himself Davion Nixon he can he can just beat you know right tackles by himself too I mean there this number is going to be smashed this is an easy over Brady Reef has that like Parker Hesse game to him too where he's kind of like that undersized athlete guy that's just going to figure out how to like out maneuver out will the guys that are in front of him so I agree and and Lattimore last year showed a lot too like he's a quality D tackle he can get to the quarterback and selfishly the reason I went under is because if if the Iowa defense is intercepting 20 balls in second quarterbacks 35 times like I mean, they're just... We're going to the playoff. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, been they're, not losing a, they're not losing a game. I've been trying to tell you guys this for a long time. They're going I, to I the mean, playoff, he says. Well, he's, I mean, Jared's not wrong. Like, if their defense is that dominant, it's just something has to give in my mind. And I think the sack total won't be there, but the interceptions and turnover number will be there. I'll tell you what's going to keep... It's going to be like a bear season in my mind. Like a, a good Chicago Bears turnover, opportunistic defense versus like the dominant sacks that type of defense that that you guys think is going to happen. I think they're both going to happen. So. <laughs> yeah, you both think there's just going to be just an elite defense. I don't know how you guys possibly – like, I'm all for drinking the Kool-Aid. Don't get me wrong. But you have to be a little realistic let me, here. Let me give you another reason why I think that. I think I was going to be up in a lot of games this year where they're going to have significant leads and teams are going to have to be throwing the ball pretty much the entire second half to try to get back in the games, which obviously – Leads to more turnovers, which leads to more sacks, and leads to all of these things. So well, that's a big reason I mean, why I also think that. And I, to go off Champ's point, like DC, what are teams going to do against it? Like you don't really want to throw against them. 
But if you run the football, like I, the linebackers are experienced enough to be able to clean up all of that because that's what Iowa does again up front. You eat up a blocker and let the linebackers clean that up. And I trust those linebackers to be able to do that. So what are you really going to be able to do against this defense? It, I mean, as a play-action 11 personnel nerd, it's just you can play-action them and you cause hesitation on the, on the defensive line. Not right? with the cash like, out there, baby. It's you can still cause a little bit of, of misdirection and you can you can get some yards. Like let's not let's not just assume that Purdue's not going to be able to move the ball on Iowa. Oh, I assume well, it already. They have, they have the last couple of years. They beat our ass, so hopefully we can get that together. Well, there's only one more season before he goes to the USC boys, so don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the running backs. Everyone knows that the running attack the past years hasn't been great. To put it put it nicely, very mildly. <laughs> so we set the over under rushing yards at the end of the season for the big three. So it's Sergeant Young and IKM at nineteen fifty and a half. So one thousand nine hundred fifty yards and a half. Champ, why don't you kick things off? They better get the over <laughs> on this number because if they get if they're under two thousand yards between the three of them, I think we're going to have some major issues with the offense. They need to be able to run the ball. I'm not saying they have to be over 50% at running the ball compared to throwing it, but they're going to need to run the ball to set up the play-action game to get these tight ends that you guys love so much involved in the game to get the receivers downfield. So I'm going to – I don't know truly what I feel, but I'm going to optimistically say the over because I think they need to run it that much in order to have a very good offense. So I will take the over. Jer, we talked about last week, at least Champ and I did, right? You – Having three guys is a benefit. Do you think Brian Ferentz figures out a way to use all three of these guys effectively where they're rushing for almost for basically almost 2,000 yards? I think he's already figured it out. I think that's why Makai Sargent didn't get too much run a couple weeks ago for Kids Day. I think that that's why Torrin Young all of a sudden had a big day and people were popping for him. I think he knows that Makai Sargent's going to be his all-around back. He's going to be like an Akram Wadley or what I'm already – it came out today. Makai Sargent, to me, is going to be like Iowa's David Montgomery. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to be David Montgomery, but the running style and his balance and his ability to break tackles and kind of hit that, like, that Madden juke stick, it's all there. Plus, he's able to catch the football. So you have that guy already there for you. You have your bruiser and Torrin Young. And then you have the speedster that should be able to at least be out there on third down types of plays. He's going to be the special teams guy. I really do believe that this team is going to figure out a way to get these guys above that 2,000 mark. Not only because they have to, but because the talent's actually there. And with just a little bit of health, Makai Sargent, again, he understands the playbook now. He came in late last year and then all of a sudden figured it out. If the Nebraska game was anything it was Makai Sargent's coming out party and this season he's going to put his name in the Doak Walker type of finalists um towards the end of the season I'm I'm with you guys I you know trying not to be super optimistic as, as Jerry here who's literally gone over on every single line I that told we've you. picked so far and I'm pretty sure he'll go over on all of them after as we move on but it's kind of like what Champ said, right? They they need to they they need to find the running game. It sets everything else up. We've talked about preachers about Brian Ferentz being more modern in the passing game and things like that. One way you do that nowadays is play action. The other way, the only way play action is successful is if you have success running the football. Yep. And so having these guys figure out a way to make them effective in the run game sets them up. The one thing I'm worried about is. Iowa becoming predictable based on who's on the field. I think, Jerry, you made a great point that these guys all bring something different to the field. They all have different skill sets, but that can also kind of tip your hand to the defense of what you're going to do based on who based on the who's out on the field with you. Yeah. So that's the one thing that I'm going to say, yes, I'm going to take the over, but I'm going to be a little hesitant just to see early on if they're being a little different with the play call just based on who is in the backfield with Nate Stanley. Who do you guys think out of the, those three? I know Jerry probably is going to say Sargent because he just said he was going to be a Doak Walker Award finalist. Like, pump the fucking brakes, bro. Let's <laughs> relax. I mean, I, out of those three, who do you think is going to care? have the most yardage? I Personally, I think it's going to be Torn Young. I think they're going to ride Torn Young more this year. I think he's going to be a lot of, you know, first and second down. Makai maybe comes in for passing downs. I know that's predictable, D.C., but... I just see them running the ball more with Torin. 
Jer, I'm sure you say Sergeant. So DC, what do you think? Yeah, that's a it's a great question. I'm I'm with Jer on Sergeant. I'm not with Jer in that he's going to be a Doak Walker Award winner. I didn't say winner. Just, okay. He said finalist. <laughs> finalist. Which sorry, means he's which a is top one of four back in the yeah. in the uh, all of college football. I just think he's the more over, like well-rounded back. He can do a little bit of everything. And so when you have that, and again, like kind of was I was saying earlier, he makes the offense less predictable based on who's on the field, and that. I think is is more valuable in my mind, and if they're going to be successful, it's going to be with him in the backfield and keeping defenses on their toes and not knowing what's coming. To jump off that, I, my pick is Sergeant, but DC, you're right, and I think Iowa realized this past season what that offense was missing without a guy like Akram Wadley, and the closest thing to Akram Wadley to me is going to be Makai Sergeant. Can we can we maybe say Sergeant will be like a top four back in the West, not a top four back in the nation? Can we? That's a little bit more pumping. Absolutely. Breaks, I like. mean, like in, to to piggyback off that with Jam, like it's just going to be near impossible for him to do it when he's in a three person backfield. Yeah, there's no way. Not if he's all purpose, like I expect him to be. I mean. You're expecting a lot. The tight ends that <laughs> ten touchdown, Makai to be a Doak Walker Award finalist. Like you're drinking the Kool Aid hardcore. You put some vodka in that fucking Kool Aid. I think it's starting to get to your head. Well, Iowa points per game's coming up, so I guess we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry wants Bama basically at this point. It's I mean, my lord, Bama. Deep- I want the Detroit Lions. Yeah, you're you. I don't. I don't understand how you're so optimistic, but we'll get to it at the end. With Life's better that wins. way, boys. Let's. I mean, you don't have to tell me. I'm the eternal optimist. So that's true. Wait, Let's before move. we move on, real quick, DC. I wanted to make one yeah. more point. Um, yeah. Champ, you always kind of say like the the prove it aspect of it. I will go back to DC's point. Brian does have to prove that they can't. They're that they're not predictable here for the run game. So I will temper myself down a little bit. This is my biggest thing with Brian. He needs to prove that he can make this run game work by being multiple, by having both guys out there, by not showing his hand every time Torn Young runs out there. Jer, is tempering your expectations 3,000 yards versus 4,000 yards? <laughs> it's like basically a Heisman Trophy finalist. <laughs> All right, let's move on to everyone's favorite Iowa football position group. Punting is winning. What is going to be the average punting yardage for the Iowa punters this year? We set it at 40 and a half yards. I'll, I'll leave this one off. Why not? It's Michael Sleep Dalton all day, all night. His career is over 40 and a half yards, so I will take the over just simply based on his career uh, projections. What he's done historically. Champ, what do you say? I'll take the over, too. I'm just so happy that Colton Rastetter is not our punter anymore. You guys have no idea. That stupid rugby-style garbage that he's been putting out the last two years. He's so bad. I'm so happy that we got Michael Sleep Dalton. I will pound the over on this as well. Jer? I'm not so certain that Rastetter isn't going to be the punter. He's still on the roster. He still will be punting. Correct. I'm I'm going to take the over. Because it only can only be better than 38.9. And if it's not Rastetter and for some reason Sleep Dalton can't do it, I have confidence that Nate Stanley will be able to pooch at 40 yards every time. So, <laughs> <laughs> The other thing I'll say to that, Jer, is that if, if Rastetter is punting and not succeeding, it's the one position group I'm not worried about Kirk Ferentz pulling him too early and like just letting somebody else try to figure it out. Because if it's one thing Kirk Ferentz knows, it's punting. I mean, it's got to be Sleep Dalton, right? I mean, I rats that are so bad. There's no way they can throw him out there as their starting punter. I think you're going to have a mix based on based on down and distance and oh, field position. God. If they want, if they're like pinned deep and they want to get that roll that Rastetter is supposed to get them, they I yep. feel like they're going to split a lot of that. Yeah, time. but he doesn't get the roll. He kicks it and guys run up and catch because it that's what smart like coaches do, yards. right? Yeah, yuck. The only time I could see rats that are being in there is if they literally are like at the opposing team's 40 and they just want to roll it down there and get it to stop before the goal line. Everything else should be sleep Dalton. I'm with you, champ, but I, I still think we're going to see some Colton Rats that are this year. And who, he, the rugby style does, if Iowa knows how to play it with the coverage team, it can be effective. Oh, he's so bad. I can't. I don't want to watch him anymore. All right. Well, let's not stand this too long. Let's get into a more fun one. It is the guy we are waiting so patiently to be named eligible for the season. 
Oliver Martin, if he is eligible, his total catches on the season, 27 and a half. Jerry, I'm going to assume you're going to say over, but care to just say why. I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned that Oliver's not going to get the news that we want. I'm like honestly concerned about it, and we are recording this on a Monday night, and we're dropping Thursday, so there's there's definitely some level of like flexibility here. But what I don't understand what's taking so long. If he plays, he's going over easy. Like the guy was going to start at Michigan. He's got all the talent. He's good, he's able to play the slot. He's able to play the X receiver. I was going to move him all over the place. It sounds like he has a rapport with Nate Stanley, but I'm worried that we're not going to get the news that we want. Uh, yeah, go ahead, champ. I mean, I I think he's going over. I think he's going to be named eligible later this week. And I mean, I don't know how long this could possibly take. Are they going to literally take it all the way up to the fucking game? I mean, like, let's make a decision here, NCAA. But yeah, I think Dave even prefaced the question as if he's eligible. So that with that preface to the question, I will say if he is eligible, he will go over that number. I think he's somewhere around 35 40 catches even that's even on the, on the low end wow as jer as jer said we're recording on a monday we're po- posting on thursday so there's plenty of time for news to come out and make this dated so that's why i said if he's eligible this is another reason why we're doing this question is because hopefully it means tomorrow after we record or wednesday after we record it'll come out he'll be eligible we can all celebrate but i'm also saying if he's eligible i'm hitting the over the main reason why is this the number of receptions that they have to replace from a year ago. It is where my notes go here. 52 catches from Nick Easley, 49 from TJ Hawkinson, and 39 from Noah Fant last year. So if you have to replace all of those receptions, plus if you think Nate Stanley is going to be throwing the ball more, there's more receptions that have to be completed to somebody. And he's by far that will be the most talented receiver on the roster. The over, it's, too, it's a slam dunk if he's eligible that he's going to hit the over. Yep. So here, here's to us jinxing ourselves, putting it out there that we recorded this and the news will come after we record so we can actually react to anything de- definite here. All right, Jer, you teased it a little bit earlier. Iowa points per game. So we set the line at 33 and a half. I'll let you take it away, Mr. Ober. It's honestly too low. Just think about this. Just think about this for a second. <laughs> Iowa was nine and four last year, right? I can't stop laughing. <laughs> Iowa was nine and four last season. In those four games, it was most of them, the majority of them were decided by a touchdown. Had Iowa scored that scored that touchdown and a field goal on top of it, this is we're we're averaging like thirty-five points. And that means there's just the same type of offense as last year. Not any sort of people getting better. There's no no Brandon Smith all of a sudden is like the guy with the big hands who actually can catch the football in the end zone. None of that. So yes, this this points per game is going up. This team is better than last year's team. This offense is going to be better than last year's offense, especially if the run game is better, which we all agreed that it's going to be. So, yes, I'm pounding the over on this. Champ, what do you say? You're more, you're way more realistic about this Iowa team this year than, than even I am, but definitely more than Jerry is. I mean, Jerry's saying pound the over. I wouldn't say I'd pound the over. He's also forgetting that we're losing Fant and Hawkinson. Like, let's not forget those were two. You just said that pieces. receiver group is deep. The receivers group is deep, but you're still. What was that D- DC? I think it was about 80 catches between the two of them, and about 15 to 20 touchdowns. So that's a lot of production that you're going to have to get back. With that being said, I will not pound the over, but I will slightly take the over. You'll slap the over. I I would put a little chunk of money down. I wouldn't pound it, but I would take the over. I think it's going to be. Their offense is going to be slightly better than that last year in terms of points. I think overall the offense is going to be a lot better. They might not. They also might not have to score as much as they had to in some of the games last year with the defense being improved. I think so. I think there's going to be a lot of games where you know they run, take a big lead early, and then they kind of take their foot off the pedal. So That's they're not you know, putting up 50, 60 points a game. Maybe they're only putting up 35, and they win 35 to seven or 35 to 10, something like that. So. I would say it'll be somewhere between 34 and 35 points if I had to put a number on it. So I'm taking the under, and the main reason why is because this is offensive points per game. 33 is a very hard number to hit, let alone to get to 34. Teams that didn't even hit 33 last year were Purdue, 
Notre Dame, and Oregon. Three offenses that if Iowa had, I'd be very happy with. All right, I'm take, I would like to switch my uh, <laughs> opinion to the under because if those teams didn't even get to third – I didn't. I, I didn't know this was points. offensive number either. Yeah, I thought it was just points, so I'm gonna take the well, under. Well, point, so. yeah, points. But if you have the D, like at 33, like these are all teams who didn't. It depends. Like, so I'm on teamrankings.com, and I see, and I see Seems last legit. year the Iowa team had 30.6 points per game. Okay. So that means they'd have to average three more points a game to get over this. Doable. So, yeah. Pound it. Yeah, I'm, it's a it's not a pounded for me. If it, if this was the love it or leave it section like we did a few weeks ago, I would leave this, but I wouldn't touch it. Iowa's points per game last year were higher than Purdue's, thirty point six or thirty. Granted, it was literally point one point, but still higher. That's shocking to me. Purdue put up some crazy offensive. We they did start off really slow though, so that's. Improbable. I think Purdue's a lot of yardage. I don't know if it's necessarily points. Well, they're, they are trailing a lot, so they have to throw mm-hmm. a shit ton. Yeah. So that's why I just I think the offense is going to be good. The offense will be improved. But this defense, these special teams, their special seasons don't necessarily all come on high-octane offenses when it's Iowa football. It's also built on the back of defense turnovers, turning turnovers into pick sixes, scoop and scores, t- uh, punt return for touchdowns. There's still going to be... A, it's still going to be a great year. We're going to get to it. The Kool-Aid drinking, Kool-Aid guzzling is coming very soon. <laughs> but I just think offensively, the 33 number is very hard to get to. So I'm going to temper my expectations on the offense just a little bit. Still That's fair. fair. Still not saying a bad year. Just saying, hey, the offense, it might not be on the back of the offense that this season's going to be outstanding on. All right. Now let's get to the Kool-Aid part. We'll start with previewing the NFL draft and the over-under for guys drafted off of this roster. Jerry, I believe you set this at five and a half. So why don't you take it? I'm taking the over on draft picks. Here's why. Shocking. Okay, well, right off the dome, we have four going at least in the first two rounds. And that says nothing else of a guy like Mm, Christian Welsh. Who, who is the fourth? I have three. Who's the you fourth? have two tackles? You have AJE, and then you have Nate Stanley. Okay, Nate Stanley is by no means a for sure first or second round pick, but he is a for Call sure NFL down. draft pick. I don't even think he's a for sure NFL draft. That is the most absurd thing you've ever said. And we've done like over 150 podcasts. He is a likely NFL draft pick, but he is not a for sure NFL draft. He is a lock. And he's in no way a for sure first or second round. He is a lock for an NFL draft pick. Okay, fine. There's four. Let's hear your five and six. All right. So I was going to get some sort of tight end drafted. Between Nate Weeding, Drew Cook, and if Sean Byer wants to freaking go, one of them is going to get drafted at some point because it's an Iowa tight end, and these coaches trust that. So that's five right there. And that says nothing of Cedric Lattimore. says nothing of Christian Welsh, who's an actually really solid rangy linebacker that can play in the NFL-type system. That says nothing of Michael Ojemudier. There's going to be a fifth and sixth NFL draft pick off this Iowa team. I guarantee it. I have the under. And the reason why, because I think we do this all the time, especially as, as Bears fans who went to Iowa and love Iowa football, I think we have, a, 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 we have an over-appreciation for the guys who come out of this program, of, of being pros and being able to contribute. I think we've also seen those guys go from being undrafted or being late-round draft picks and sticking in the NFL for many, many years. But there's a reason... For whatever reason, NFL teams don't value taking these Iowa guys where they necessarily go. One name that comes to mind is Desmond King. Desmond King should have been drafted way earlier than he should have been. But he got drafted. So applying applying that same logic, there's going to be guys who, Jerry, you think are for sure first, second day, or even just draft picks who slide just because they're, they might be a little bit less athletic than the next guy. And the NFL is always going to take the guy who's more athletic versus the guy who might have put up the solid numbers. So from that, the four guys I have getting drafted are the four you mentioned. It's Wirfs, it's Maui, it's Jackson, and it's Stanley. I don't know when, I don't know where, I just know those are the four guys who are going to get drafted. Champ, what do you think? I think the number's five, so I'm going to take the under. I think it's those four guys that you guys mentioned, and I think it's Michael Mo- um, O.J. Moutier. I think he's the fifth guy, 
And yeah, I mean, you can't automatically think a tight end is going to get drafted. Oh, I will, and I did. Literally proven nothing. I mean, you did. I know. I'm just saying. I don't <laughs> think you can just automatically say that. And then, but I did. I mean, Christian. I'm a big Christian Walsh fan. I would love to see him get drafted. But I mean, Josie Jewell, who was an absolute animal at Iowa, was what a sixth round pick at fifth at the earliest. So I mean, it's it doesn't a, matter. He's a pick. The question yeah, was. A I understand, pick. but he's had an he had an amazing career at Iowa and was still barely drafted. So. I mean, you're talking about Christian Welch being a guy that can get drafted. I mean, he hasn't exactly had a stellar four years at Iowa. What if Matt Hankins and Geo Stone decide that they're ready for the draft? You don't think those guys can get drafted? Okay, what if Alaric Jackson decides, hey, I want to come back my senior year and be a top ten pick? He, he, he's not going to do that. He could. I mean, there's no reason why he can't stay. Yeah, there is. There's millions of reasons why. Maybe he, <laughs> you know, doesn't he doesn't have the year he, everybody thinks he's going to have, and he wants to come back and be uh, a for sure first round pick. That means I was going eight and four again. If they we're going to start doing these, if he didn't have the okay, year he wants, it's the right tackle. Like he can have like a, a still a good year and not we could still be a great and team. it could still be a draft pick. Okay, well I think it's five. I think six is high. And you you predicted seven, so I mean I think that's I might predict eight. Off. I think Gino and Matt might go. Okay, here we go. Maybe uh, maybe Michael Sleep Dalton will get drafted too. <laughs> Fuck it. I mean he he might have a great year. What if Brian Ferentz goes to the Patriots? Does that count as a draft pick? No, no, <laughs> no. It does not. All right, let's keep Jer. I'm just gonna let you go again. Rivalry trophies <laughs> one. We set the over under at two and a half. Apparently, this is probably too low for Jerry. I could probably set it at four, and he'd still take the over, even though there's not a fifth trophy to win. But what do you got? That was pretty good. I'm taking the over. I was winning, or I was losing one game this year. I told you guys. Uh, and it's the one game that everyone's going to hate you if they lose. Yeah, but I'm not going to say it again. So you have the over. You have it at three. Champ, what do you have? Uh, I have the over at three as well. I think they're only the only loss they're going to have. Jerry probably doesn't even have this as a loss. Is at, I think it's going to be at Wisconsin. In terms of rivalry games, I think that's going to be there. Or trophy games, I think that's going to be their one loss. I have the over, and I have all four trophies Wow, sitting in Iowa City at the end of the season. Do you see with a pet little optimism and a step? If there was five, I'd probably take five. I love this this team this year. And that rolls right into the wins. We set the over-under at eight and a half. Not enough. Jared, do you have 15 wins? What do you got? I got uh, – how many wins does it take to win the championship? Uh, 15. 15. Yeah, then I want 16. <laughs> they're adding another round to the playoffs. Iowa somehow is going to win the senior bowl or something. That's what. That's how many wins I think they're going to win. They're going to be so good, they're going to ask them to join the NFL, and they're going to get a win in the NFL season. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be like, hey, come play the Dolphins for a game. Uh, champ what do you got uh i'll take the over on eight and a half i think they're a 10 and two ball club this year um so yeah give me eight and a half and that's also not including bowl or big 10 or any of that good stuff so yeah give me the over i have the over as well i have them at 11 and one representing the west losing to michigan as the only loss this season and not winning the Big Ten because I made that pick last week in our headlines. I had think Ohio State will win the conference, but it will be Hawkeyes versus Buckeyes in Indianapolis this year. I agree with that, but I think I was going to beat the Buckeyes in Indianapolis. So Me too. I, I predict one less win. I say ten and two. But Jerry, you could have them playing the Patriots, and I think you'd have them win at this point. Hey, Kirk, know, Kirk and Brian know how to scout for that team. It's, I mean, Jesus, I. It, the over I, down the line we talked about it this morning i think these lines being too conservative but i think it only was affecting you because you literally are drunk on kool-aid you could have i told you after like the second over under that he was going to take the over on every one and he did <laughs> it's just it's unbelievable it, it so let's go back through these real real quick are there numbers are any of these even close jer for you in terms of what you think would do anything if i moved these up like one or two would it cause you to go under i mean if you went one or two that means nate stanley's completion percentage is at like 63.5 which i'd probably still take the over on um the sacks number i'd probably take the over on the only one he even <laughs> thought about was oliver martin and that's just because he didn't know if he was going to be eligible 
if the if the points per game are truly just offensive, I'd probably think about that one. No, I mean, okay. I'd probably just take the over no matter what you did to these numbers. <laughs> so, guys, if you don't know, those who are still listening to us, Jerry wrote the optimist guide to the Iowa Hawkeyes last week on Blackheart Gold Pants. He's also writing the previews for a bunch of the defensive backs this week on Blackheart Gold Pants. Birds of prey. Checked all of that out. Those will probably be up before this gets posted or the same day. Um, make sure you check all those out because if you just want pure, pure optimism, Jerry Sherwin has become the mayor of happy Iowa Twitter. Because everything's gumballs and rainbows with for Jerry as it comes to Iowa football this year. So make sure you're following him on Twitter at Jerry Sherwin. You can follow me at Dave Cray. You can follow Champ at Try People's Champ. Make sure you're subscribing. Share the podcast with your friends. Give us a voicemail, 224-661-0909. Anything else, boys, before we say goodbye? No, sir. Try Optimism on for one week, everybody. I think you'll enjoy it. All right, Jerry, with some parting words, we'll talk to you guys again next week, previewing the game against Miami of Ohio. It's oh finally God. football season. Go Hawks. Trick or treat, Iowa City. <laughs> if you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one. <laughs>